Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Internet. This is the Manchester Football Social Podcast, the online version of the show that is on your radio on Excess Manchester. If you're in the city of Manchester, between six and seven o'clock every single weekday, it's the Monday show and Statman Dave is here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> Steve Mc- you threw me off. I was like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. What? Um, cool. Steve McInerney's here as well. Uh, bonjour. We'll hear from them in a minute on the show, plus we'll chat to them a little bit after the podcast as well. Please, if this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button and you'll get a brand new show from the Manchester Football Social every single day of the week. And we'll see you the other side of this. Manchester Football Social. Welcome, welcome. This is the Manchester Football Social. We are back with a bang for a Monday. I'm Jim and we'll be talking about everything Manchester and football over the next hour or so. If it involves kicking around an inflated sack full of air on a grassy pitch, then we are all over it in Manchester. Tonight I've got Manchester United, Noel, Statman, Dave sitting opposite me. <laughs> know it all. Lovely. Marcus Rashford after 149 games for Manchester United scored 40 goals. Cristiano Ronaldo after the same amount of appearance, 149, 31. One goal. So I want people to get involved with text with the calls. Can Marcus Rashford become as good as Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> That's a big. Statement. We're going to start with a big statement. Wow, that is a big Can question. We we'll answer that in a minute. <laughs> and that other voice you hear is our city head for this evening, Man City's Steve McInerney. Evening, yes. Steve. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, everyone. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Manchester City's very big game against Wolves because we're currently seven points behind as we go into kickoff, and we've got to close that gap on Liverpool. And also, I want to know what people think about City's transfer plans and and the rumours about one or two academy lads feeling a bit of a rest at the moment. Uh, I can't really top Dave's uh, Rashford and Ronaldo <laughs> thing, but I just leave it there. Really. Do you know what the thing about City's game this evening that I think's a bit unfair is Gabriel Jesus in his last game for City scored four <laughs> goals, and he's probably going to get dropped this evening. <laughs> Sergio Aguero is there another player in Premier League history that has scored four goals in a game and been dropped the very next game do you know what some City fans up there we beat Liverpool 2-1 recently then we won 7-0 then we won 9-0 I was at all three games yeah I'm still nervous what is that it's so weird it doesn't make any sense but that's football Matt our boss here at Excess Manchester his lad has just got into watching football and the first City game he went to was he's he's a City fan (laughs) first game he went to was the European game he won 5-0 
was it recently? I can't remember who it no, was now. Ten to win five nil quite often. And then he <laughs> went to the game at the weekend, the nine nil. So he's kind of like <laughs> that was him. the weirdest game of football it's just I've a been to in goals. ages. <laughs> uh, if you want to have your say on tonight's footballing discussion, oh three four five treble one seventy six twenty five is the number. Eight double seven double one. If you want to get involved on the text, you've heard about what we want to talk about. But you know what? If you want to talk about something completely different, just give us a bell, pick up the phone, have your say because it is your show. Oh three four five treble one. 7625 is the number. There's a big rumour that has been going around concerning Manchester United over the weekend that I want to talk about it because obviously United are currently busy drawing up their shortlist for a brand new full-time manager and reports this weekend suggested that that could include current England boss Gareth Southgate. But is that the man that you want to see in the old Trafford dugout? 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five. That is the phone number. If it were to happen, Dave, and we'll find out whether you think it might or not in a minute. If it were to happen, what exactly would Southgate bring to Manchester United other than a lucrative waistcoat sponsorship deal? <laughs> I think that'd be for first and foremost, that's getting the sponsorship on the waistcoat. But I think it'd be what we saw with England over the, the World Cup was uh, youth, uh, positivity, energy from Gareth Southgate seemed to be get on with a lot of the players, gave the freedom to the likes of Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, Lingard, Deli Alley. But again, at the same time, I think there are things uh, as a manager that he doesn't have. I think tactically, he's not the best, mm. but yeah. would be able to bring young English talent through at Manchester United, which is a big positive thing for the football club. It seemed like his performance with England, for me, was massively overhyped over the summer. I think everyone got a little bit carried away with England's yeah. performances. They weren't that good, were they? No, they weren't. They were mainly built off set pieces, if we remember correctly. We, yeah. we struggled to create chances in open play, and um, it was fun, though. And I guess but that's the kind of thing you want at international level, not necessarily really sure what makes a good international manager always makes a good club manager and Southgate is just a bizarre bizarre left field choice if he did go that I don't expect it will be but um, it'd be interesting I guess but it just seems so unlikely he's got such a good deal in England at the moment in terms of everyone kind of loves him and given the fact that at one point he was a bit of a laughing stock probably harshly due to his penalty miss many many moves ago um, why would he leave I think it'd be stupid personally to do it because every, he's got a good job you is know? the Man United job bigger than the England job yes but <laughs> I think it doesn't necessarily mean it's right for him. I think it is a bigger job, personally. Yeah, definitely, I completely even, agree. Yeah, it's not even there's not even a question about no. it. I think when you make a good point about club managers and versus international managers, international managers will see their players what three or four times a year during yeah. you know a few friendlies qualifying. That's kind of it, and it's a different hands-on off approach in a way. You've got to build a team straight away. You've got to have that bond with all the players. Mm. You make a good point about them scoring goals. They scored three goals in open play at the World Cup out of. 12. So nine out of the 12 goals were from either the penalty spot or from set pieces. And I think the big game for me was the Columbia game. If you go back to that game, a change was was needed in a way. England had no width in the final third mm. and Columbia were playing a narrow diamond and he needed wide players and he didn't do anything. For me, that's a big flashing light. No. When Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's whipping out a 4-4-2 diamond and destroying Pochettino, there's mm. that side of it where you've got to go, you've got to be a bit more tactically astute. The Destroying Pochettino, by the way. You know, so said that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to put him up on that a little bit later. <laughs> so, I mean, if you look at Southgate and supposedly there's this five-man list that Manchester United want as a new manager, if you include Southgate on that, it's Pochettino, Zidane, Simeone, obviously Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, one of the considerations as well. There's some very different managers there. Does this kind of highlight the need that if this is indeed the five-person list for a manager's job, 
that there needs to be a strategy at United. They need that director of football to come in sooner rather than later and kind of set the course of the ship and then recruit your manager accordingly, depending on what that course is going to be. Yeah, 100%. I think what we've seen with Oli is Oli gets Manchester United. That is the biggest thing. He gets Man United. He gets the what you've got to do. You've got to attack and all that type of thing. Another manager that's been linked as well, uh, Marco Rose, the uh, RB Salzburg manager. Again, a young tactician, 42 years old, that's been really raved about you know his RB Leipzig under 19s team won the UEFA Youth League which considering the resources they've got is an incredible achievement but is he ready for United maybe not maybe he needs a few more jobs before that similar to what maybe Klopp was doing at Mainz stepped up to Borussia Dortmund then went further but uh, I kind of agree that there's this uh, it feels a, like you've got Zinedine Zidane right he'd be like the guy the creme de la creme guy that you could bring in for a few years that could send these shit but does he have Manchester United's viewpoint and vision behind him? Similar with Southgate, does he have Man United's sort of thoughts and how they want to go forward? I mean, there is, as much as we mock the commercial side of it and how Woodward goes after those sponsors, there is a commercial element to it as well. There mm. is, it's as important to get a big-name manager for Manchester United as it is to get the Alexis Sanchez's and the Paul Pogba's. But one needs to balance with the other. You can't go after the commercial side of it yeah. at the expense of it being the right man for the job. And I think that's the biggest thing United need to do. They've got some time now with Solskjaer in charge that's taken the pressure off the board, taken the pressure off Ed Woodward to take his time or take their time collectively yeah. to make a, a good decision. And that's vitally important for Manchester United. Because if they make a bad decision now, you know, that, that'll be another three years because that will be the length of the contract. That You're not going to go to Manchester United for a one-year, two-year deal, are you? It's going to be a bit longer mm. than that. So it's a big, big call. I don't think Southgate's a man for me. 0345 one seventy six twenty five is the number. If you're a red, I'd love your views on Southgate as a potential figure in the Manchester United dugout. I'm not sure I believe it. I think it could be paper talk, but I'd love your views. 87711 <laughs> is the text number. We've got Brian on the phone. Evening, Brian. Evening, man. Are you okay? Very good, my friend. So what are you saying? Do you want Southgate oh, in? No, come on. Let's not, <laughs> you know, we're not talking stupid stuff now, are we? Like... <laughs> He, he's a manager of England. Dude. All that he was remembered for after after getting his the furthest ever in the World Cup was his waistcoat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That ain't, that ain't a United manager for me. Not in a million years. Oh, I miss Brian. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to hear him. He sounds a lot happier now. Yeah, he's he's, he's, Mourinho's gone. Oh, Brian's happy. New, new Brian. Brian. <laughs> you know what? Last time we spoke to Brian, it was just before Christmas, and I think it was probably. He said, at that time, Brian, you called it, you said Jose Mourinho will be gone by Christmas. 48 hours later, the club announced that Jose Mourinho has left. So, you, with your soothsayer hat on, with your prediction, who is going to be the next manager of Manchester United? Do you know what? I'm not just saying it because of the effect that he's had, but I really, really do hope that um, Solskjaer has given it. I know people are raving about Pochettino, and he has done a great job at Tottenham, and, but he's not... <laughs> He's not one club manager for me. He's not that. He's not that longevity that's going to stay at a club. And I know they're hard to find nowadays. But it doesn't. He strikes me as a, as a CV manager. Like, oh yeah, I'll do good at this club. Go to another club. Do good at this club. Go to another club. And I don't know. For me, that's not. That's not enough. You know what I mean? You're going to take over United. You want somebody who's going to be in it for the long haul. And I don't think he is. What do you think Solskjaer's future is at United, Dave? Because he is now the most successful manager in terms of his start he's made at a club at Manchester United. Six games won out of his first six. His next few games are Brighton at home, Burnley home, Leicester away, Fulham away, <laughs> Liverpool at home, Palace away. Five out of six 
you'd say are very winnable games there. The Liverpool game's obviously winnable as well, but it's going to be a bit more tough than the others. If he wins all those games, surely he can't then be replaced at the club. Even if he's replaced as manager, he has a future within that setup somehow. I think Brian will back me up here. I don't think we're ever going to lose again. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait till next Monday. (laughs) <laughs> no, I think I think the big thing is is that the tests coming up. Arsenal going to be a, is going to be big. City, Liverpool, PSG. I think it's the reaction to see what obviously Solskjaer completely tactically changed up. That's what was so impressive that he went with this diamond and had and you know had a target. Looking forward as well. The yeah. players are always looking to pass forward. They're never passing back now. They're always looking forward. And I think that's a clear plan. I think that's the big thing is that you're getting an idea. Apparently, when they were in Dubai, they were consistently working that switch out to the right-hand side to Marcus Rashford or, you know, moving it one way then switch over. And that's what they did and they won the game. And that's why it's so nice to see that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tactically looks like he knows what he's doing and it's impressive. And if he beats the likes of Emery, if he beats the likes of Klopp, beats Guardiola, then why not? You've got to give him the job. I still think, in general, looking in, there's a lot uh, A lot of these results have been won on essentially enthusiasm and energy. And I don't mean that as a criticism because that's a great thing in football, but you were conceding chances against Spurs and I think if anyone would have agreed that in, if they turned it around, it wouldn't have been like hugely undeserved for Spurs to get something from that game. Yeah. And I do think, I still maintain that the, the biggest test from Solskjaer is how he bounces back from his first real setback. And that will happen at some point. Yeah. And that's yeah. when it gets harder because it's all about enthusiasm and positivity at the moment. But that can run out when people start to doubt themselves and then you have to look for genuine ingenuity from your manager and if Solskjaer can offer that no one actually knows yet that's the thing let me ask you this Brian because it is about positivity Steve is absolutely bang on there is this kind of aura yeah. around the club at the moment United were I think it has to be fair to say were battered in that second half David De Gea kept United in that match if Jose Mourinho had turned in that first before that performance if he'd come away with a 1-0 win having been battered in the second half, it would be a very different conversation we'd be having right now. But, so what is the but difference? Jim, but Jim, if they, if they wouldn't have played that style, mm. they'd have played a completely different style and you've got to stop saying Voldemort's name, you're just giving it your strength. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to come back. If you keep saying his name, it's going to come back. Stop it. <laughs> right, apparently, if you look into the mirror three times, it goes through the back as it appears in the boardroom. Brian, cheers for coming on, buddy. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. Take care. 0345 is the number to call if you want to get involved. 87711 is the text number. So is it just the style of football, Dave? Is that what has changed the atmosphere at Old Trafford so dramatically over the last six weeks? I think that's well, that's part of it, but I think it's the getting the best out of certain individuals. Like Marcus Rashford is a man on absolute fire right now, directly involved in 10 goals in his last 10 games. You take Pogba as well, the, the ball he played over the top. But not only that, how positive he was... Uh, when in possession, it was just a good performance from a number of players. I kind of, you know, I do agree that Spurs did come back into the game and maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will rewatch that and say, look, Delo could have come on maybe on the left wing mm. a bit earlier on, a defensive option out there because Kieran Trippier was causing absolute havoc out there. Maybe bringing Fred on as well, two slightly defensive changes, Lukaku a bit earlier because United didn't have anyone to play to in that second half. But what was so good was the first tactical setup that's what I like the most the reaction maybe again needs to be made a bit quicker but it looks so good this is the thing like United practiced that in Dubai all week mm. they were there doing it and they did, they did it in the game and they won a game of football that's the as a manager that's the you know the biggest thing you want your coaches make that much of an impact on a result of football by doing something positive is it purely down to tactics because I think if I was a United fan at the moment 
it would stick in my throat slightly the reaction of some of the players and the way they are playing now compared to how they were playing on Jose Mourinho and you can't have this conversation without mentioning Paul Pogba <laughs> as part of that but even the likes of Marcus Rashford oh I know he's being deployed in a different way now too he was previously. but Rashford was awesome the last month of Mourinho's attention as United manager Rashford was standing up he was one of the guys that was being counted mm. his form hasn't just been under Solskjaer Herrera would be another form. one and Matic would be another one these players suddenly seem to have stepped I agree up with those to the guys. plate I do think as well you've got to remember that uh, the first half of the, the previous game against Spurs I remember United fans being quite happy about that Play, and then really obviously well. yeah, they got battered in the second half which sounds quite familiar but the only difference is obviously this time you came away with a 1-0 victory so Mourinho did actually occasionally at times have him trying to play some form of attacking football and I use that loosely but in general it always seemed to be a reaction with Mourinho didn't it it's like he'd be hammered in the press <laughs> yeah. for parking the bus then he'd go right I'm going to play well, it was like he was sulking wasn't it like a teenager yeah. sulking like oh right, well, I'll play some attacking football I'll then. do what you want Fine. yeah and then it kind of fans kind of liked it and then but the fact that now the players are actually doing it and they're doing it consistently shows is it's, I don't think it's all tactic it's obviously just down to the person and you like your boss you work for your boss don't you mm. essentially that's it Yes, yeah, it's, really, yeah. it's not difficult. Yeah. If you're being paid, surely it's that love for the club thing, isn't it, as well? But you want that, players That's definitely part of it. Is that old-fashioned? No, no, I think it's not. I think there's some players that need to step up for the rest of the year. They need to perform. Paul Pogba's Why one would, of those players that needs to perform every single week because he was one of the players that may have fallen out with Mourinho. The interesting side of that is obviously the quotes coming after the game uh, from Paul Pogba were quite interesting. He said, uh, this is what the manager told me to do. He told me to get into the box. The best, best example for me is Frank Lampard. You rewind six months. Mourinho was saying in a press conference, I spoke to Paul Pogba, the guy I wanted to, him to emulate, emulate, sorry, can't get any words out today, is Frank Lampard. Right. It's kind of like, is he still firing shots? Is he still engaged in this thing? Or is he just maybe acknowledging what his manager said now? So what was the big difference between the first half and the second half of the weekend? Going back to the United versus Spurs game then. So what, you dominated the first half, yeah. I think that'd be fair. Second half, you were definitely under the cosh. So what was the massive difference? What was the change between the two? So Spurs went a bit wider. Uh, they went with a 4-2-3-1. They played two wingers. Um, and United's diamond didn't react. It, it did drop back a little bit. But at the same time, potentially should have switched to, you know, a flat form on midfield, playing someone like a Paul Pogba as more of a, as a number 10. I think it was the control in central midfield that was lost. And Spurs with Christian Eriksen, with Harry Winks, with Deli Alley in that zone now, they started to dominate. And, and it was that problem in midfield that United arguably... In some sort of parts of the game, it was basically Matic and Herrera protecting the back four. It's too open. And I think at that point, you know, going down a little bit of a Mourinho style park the bus would have worked quite well. Right. Because I think the big thing with Mourinho is, yeah, his team sat deep and yeah, they defended quite well at times. They counter-attacked really poorly. But now under Oli, we're seeing United literally tear teams open on the break. There was a brilliant quote from Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. You might not have seen because it That's was during his interview with Malaysian TV. <laughs> and he said... You play with a smile at Manchester United because when it's over, you miss it. It's all about attacking, pace, power, attacking quickly. That's what Manchester United is built around going forward. And this is the best bit. Not stupid square back passes. <laughs> which kind of sums Shots. up the way he's going to be playing Fired. football for Manchester United. That's how he's going to set his teams up, isn't he? He isn't going to park the bus, even if you need to protect that 1-0 well, lead. And maybe that's naive sometimes. Is it? I think the only danger is the, the Reading game. And the Newcastle game is that they kind of United defaulted back to that park the bus square side was passing 
uh, football, which again, it's going to take a coach a bit of time to get yeah. that out of their system. But it's still that lingering Mourinho hiding in the bushes. <laughs> you can still see him there in the in the stands, saying his name three times again. Uh oh, uh, sorry, Brian. Oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five. If you want to get in touch, we can talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's future at the club. We can talk about the Spurs game at the weekend. We are going to talk about David De Gea. Is he the best keeper in the league right now? And we're talking about that with Alex Stepney, Manchester United goalkeeping legend. We'll do that in a minute. Let me read you a couple of texts we've had in, though, about Southgate potentially joining Manchester United. It doesn't seem to be like it's holding much weight with you <laughs> lot at the moment. Johnny says, I reckon Sky just needed a third contender to get the betting going. Two-horse rate is never very good for the bookies. Good point there, probably. And Dave says... Southgate's just another Mourinho, LVG-type character. I don't mean that in the way of tactics. I mean it. It's just another big name being brought in for sport these days. Ole's won six in a row. Give him the job. So there seems to be, certainly seems to be a bit of a wave of support for Solskjaer to stay at Manchester United. So give us a call. Let us know your view. 0345 7625 is the number. 87711 is the text number. And stay there. We're going to be talking to European Cup winning goalkeeper Alex Stepney next. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. It is your place to talk about your football team. So pick up the phone and have a chat. 0345 111 going to be talking to goalkeeping legend Alex Stepney in a minute about David De Gea's man of the match performance at the weekend. A bit of breaking football news for you, though. Not directly involving Manchester, although they are City's next opponents after Wolves. David Wagner, Huddersfield Town Manager, has left by mutual consent. He's terrified, isn't he? He's like it from the end. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> battered by City. Yeah. That's bad news for Huddersfield, isn't it? Um, I guess the fans might disagree. He's a nice guy, David Wagner, isn't he? But they're, they're struggling big time. Wasn't he uh, supposed to be the budget clop? Wasn't that kind of how <laughs> he, he wore glasses? Yeah. He looked a bit like him. He had a beard. Ah, his, his, his team was good last year. They, they gave themselves a good uh, you know, account in the Premier League. But I think so those the second season syndromes are a real tough one to get over. And especially when you're not scoring goals, you know, 13 goals in the Premier League this season in 22 games. Yeah, I That's think- almost... Sickening. To be honest, they shouldn't have stayed up. They were pretty. They were, they were mm. massively punching above the weight. But I think the manager, sorry, the chairman, probably thinks we get someone in, we might get lucky and stay up. And I don't really blame him for trying. You Make know? a change now while the yep. transfer window is still open as well. Right, we're going to talk goalkeepers now. We have got a text here from Steve, Steph in Middleton, who says, "Hi, I love the show. Thanks, Steph. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to find out how many times a goalkeeper gets man of the match. There's not much data out there. Can you help?" Dave, Statman Dave, that sounds like one for you. You can work on that while we chat to a goalkeeping (laughs) legend because David De Gea, well, he made a pretty good case for himself to be classed as the best goalkeeper in the Premier League or maybe even, according to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the best goalkeeper that Manchester United have ever had. So is he a better goalkeeper than Peter Schmeichel? Is he a better goalkeeper than Edwin van der Sar? Is he a better goalkeeper than Taibi? Is he a better goalkeeper than (laughs) European Cup winner? (laughs) Taibi. Blast from the past, that is. Stepney, because Sir Alex Stepney is on the phone. Evening, Alex. (laughs) Hi, Jim. (laughs) Very good. Thank you very much for coming on. What did you make... Excuse me, don't class me in the tie, you be ranked. <laughs> <laughs> well, go on, how do you class yourself then? If you look at David De Gea and he's getting some accolades at the moment, yeah. would you, how would you judge yourself compared to well, David De Gea? Like, 
Yeah, it's like everything else. I mean, uh, when, you, when I look back, I mean, from over 50 years ago now, the whole plane is different. The whole, the whole, so everything's changed. Everything's moved mm. forward. Um, you know, I, I, when you talk about goalkeepers, you've got to go in decades. I mean, Peter Smichael was unbelievable in the 90s. He was a young lad, came in and uh, learned his trade and finished up a great goalkeeper. Uh, Edwin, was, Edwin came then, you know, and then he basically, he was already a mate keeper, had done everything. Um, David basically is, is going on the same line as, as, as Peter Smichael came in, raw young kid, and uh, he's learned his trade. And my word, he, he showed everything yesterday. Well, I, I didn't see it coming uh, after the first half, but the second half, when that happened, I mean, he won the game for him completely because, you know, Spurs really put the pressure on and uh, uh, he kept them out. But the best thing from my point of view, and I'll be honest about it, is that um, he never panicked. You know, he, he wasn't flustered at any time. Goalkeepers sometimes under pressure do panic. Um, he didn't. He'd done everything uh, by the book and uh, he got his reward. There is no doubt that David Hare has been vitally important for United over the last three, four seasons. The amount yeah, of time yeah. I've had conversations that he has kept them in games, he's won games, he's drawn games. Yeah. But where does he rank in terms of the Premier League goalkeepers at the moment? We've seen over the last two seasons there suddenly be this real emphasis on spending loads of money on very good keepers, which are obviously a vital part of any team. But it's only recently that I think we've seen a real emphasis on getting these world-class superstars in and spending the money to do it. So is he the best well, in the game, Premier League? Well, the game, well uh, in, in saying that, I don't think when you, you, know, you, you say about David, uh, United don't play the same way as, as City play uh, when, when Pep came in and, and obviously changed the, the way they played, uh, playing out the back. Uh, obviously, Klopp's done the same at, um, at, uh, at Liverpool. So the two guys that have come in there uh, this season, well, you know, the last couple of seasons, have uh, proven their worth uh, from what the way they play. But David is a, a completely different. Uh, well, United play a different, completely, completely different way. You know, I mean, okay, the first part of first half of the season, uh, he's under a lot of pressure. I mean, because of the way we, the way he played. But now all this come in. Uh, playing got Manchester playing the way that you know the supporters want and everybody believes that way Manchester should play and it's made it a lot easier for him he, you know he, he looks more comfortable I mean I think up to yesterday I think he's only had three clean sheets uh, this season so you know it's now working isn't it you know it's working for him and he's, he's doing a, a fantastic job I can't say whether he's the best goalkeeper in the Premiership because you know the other, there's other goalkeepers there who are fantastic as well but he has changed the way United's playing the way others got him playing it's changed his game he looks more confident than, than ever I know you're involved with the club a fair bit and you do bits and bobs mm. around Old Trafford. How's the atmosphere within the club changed over the last few weeks with Solskjaer stepping in? I think, obviously, the way the way the first game uh, occurred, there was down at Cardiff, wasn't it? You know, scoring five goals. Um, and all of a sudden, players, had, you know, they were, they, they were smiling. And the best thing from any any uh, sort of club when you, when you, or football when you're playing for a team is... The supporters are, are, are smiling. Uh, you know, there's a massive change, and, and that is an incredible way to sort of help you push on and uh, do it for them because that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's about the supporters, it's about the club, and it's about winning. And uh, all this change that round, and 
you know, and you, you probably know now, doing your programme, but any United supporters coming on now has got to change attitude on, on how it's been for the last, what, four years? Before you go, i uh, just got to ask you a quick question. That, uh, Dave told me in the studio I wasn't allowed to ask you this. He said you can't you can't challenge a goalkeeping legend like Alan, Alex Stepney on this one. But I remember... When we've discussed David De Gea before, Alex, you've always said that your concern about him is the yeah. amount he uses his feet rather yeah. than maybe going down with his hands. And yesterday, against Spurs, we saw him using his feet again for many of the saves he made. Is that exactly. still a concern for you? Would you like to see him using his hands more? Well, I, I think. Well, I don't know. I don't know because I think you had a, a variation yesterday where, where he done. You see, anything low, uh, he, he seems to, you know, use his feet more. But you can only do that if your angles are right or you're in the right place. Mm. And that proved, and you're absolutely right. You, might, I was a bit concerned about it, but the game's changed so much. His reflexes are incredible. But like I said, you know, earlier talking to you, I think when you. The people in front of you uh, are doing their job. It helps. It's been helping him to be in the right position. It's when players, you know, defences back onto you, then you have a, a big problem. Uh, but in kicking the ball or stopping it, I mean, let, let's have a look at the Spurs goal. I suppose, really, when you think about it, uh, Lurie's never got his angle right. Now, mm. I think I think they had the same chance in the, in the first half, and. Um, and, and he, he had his angles right, so, OK, he used his feet. No problem. Alex, great to talk to you. Thank you very much for All coming right. on. Appreciate it. All right, mate. You take care. Manchester United's European Cup winning goalkeeper Alex Stepney there. So, boys, who is the best goalkeeper in the Premier League currently? If you're going to pick <laughs> one name... <laughs> is it, is it even a be? question anymore? Well, 11 yeah, saves against Spurs. His 11! terrible all season. He's only just turned it around now. People were questioning his articles all about his form back in December. That was only a month ago he was dropping howlers against Arsenal. That was um, just some propaganda from Spain because he didn't do very well <laughs> in the World Cup. Don't believe the propaganda, Stephen! Seeping into you're our getting public. getting sucked in! Uh, Am I going to get anywhere or are you just going to say Edison and you're going to say De Gea and we're going to just... No, we're going to agree on David De Gea and we're going to move on. <laughs> uh, he's very good, isn't he? But I'd rather Edison. Right, let's go back to the phones. If you want to get involved, 0345 111 is the number to call. We've got Tom who wants to talk about Gareth Southgate. Evening, Tom. Hi, Jim. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you very much for coming on. So what are you saying? Gareth Southgate, next Manchester United manager, club-sponsored oh. waistcoats, selling in the club <laughs> shop. <laughs> you fancy it? Well, you know what? I was a big fan of the West Coast during the World Cup, but um, I think it's had its day. Uh, I don't see where this has come from at all as Southgate United manager. Um, I don't think there's much to it, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't know why the club would go for that. Um, when Mourinho got sacked, I think it was like it was, it was like a breath of fresh air. It was like Christmas came early, <laughs> and you thought this is the time. You know, the club they've learned they've made the, they've learned from the mistakes with uh, Van Gaal and Mourinho. They put Ollie in for a bit while they get the house in order, and now all of these names that are coming out: Zidane, Southgate. It, it just makes no sense to me, Jim. It's just the same mistakes being repeated, it seems. Well, that's interesting you class Zidane in that list of a potential mistake as well, because I, I was looking at the list earlier, and we mentioned it earlier, uh, Solskjaer's got to be on there now, Simeone's been mentioned, mm. you'd think that was probably a bit too defensive for what United want, Zidane, Pochettino, and Southgate was the name that kind of um, uh, really 
sort of stuck out for me in that list as didn't really deserve to be there. But I'm interested to see that you mention Zidane as someone that you wouldn't want to see at the club because that really just leaves Solskjaer or Pochettino, doesn't it? Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's the way I'd think about it, to be honest with you, because surely the point of giving um, Solskjaer the position till the end of the season was so that they could fit a long-term plan for Pochettino. The only reason that I could see that they would veer from that plan is because Solskjaer's been doing such a good job. Other than that, I don't see like why any of these other names are being mentioned. They could have Zidane tomorrow if they wanted, to, wanted, to, wanted him. Mm. He's not doing anything else, is mm. he? You were nodding your head along there. Yeah, yeah I kind of agree with everything. Now. I think Zidane would be a mistake. I think that. Like, Why? As, as Tom mentioned, they would have gone for him. If they wanted Zidane, they would have gone for him. And it's the. What Zidane did at Real Madrid was amazing, but there was players there that were ready for that. They were, yeah. they were at the top of their game. They needed someone to come in, have a bit of, uh, you know, show a bit of power in the dressing room and go forward. Man United right now is a young squad and they need to be coached. They need to be loved. Someone like Oli or Pochettino would be perfect. Thank you very much for coming on, Tom. Really appreciate your call. Yeah, my pleasure, Jim. 0345 You've still got time to get involved. We're going to talk about Manchester City versus Wolves in a minute. Tonight's game, we'll have the team news for you in the next 10 minutes or so, I hope, as well. It's a must-win game. Your views on that. 0345 Dave, you were asked a question a minute ago about how many times a goalkeeper has won a man of the match. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, was actually, I was actually trying to wave to you across the studio, Jim, because okay. I was that quick to work it out, right? So goalkeepers in the Premier League this season, from my numbers, have got... 10 man of the matches between them you've got the likes of David De Gea in there Lloris blah 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 blah. Uh, how many matches out of season? a possible 438 matches so you're rocking just over 2% of matches in the Premier League this season a goalkeeper has been given the man of the match 2% Jesus that man waiting to use that for weeks right this wow. is Excess Manchester's football social if you want to get involved 0345 we'll get you on in a moment little question going into the break for you boys because if Wolves score tonight against Manchester City oh, don't, don't. it will be nine <laughs> Premier League fixtures without a clean sheet for Manchester City <laughs> Who was the Manchester City manager last time they went that long without keeping a clean sheet? Don't answer yet. We'll get on to it in a minute. 87711 if you know, and we'll tell you the answer on the Excess Manchester Football Social next. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. This is the Manchester Football Social. Thank you very much for joining us. We've got Steve McInerney here. Hello. We have the Statman Dave as well. Hello. Back uh, from a, uh, an appearance on Norwegian TV. Yeah, doing weird <laughs> stuff. <laughs> What's his exact phrase during the break? I was don't want to press that anymore, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, just, Jim, just leave. <laughs> oh, 0345 <four>, treble. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was about to say. Oh, 0345 is the number if you want to get involved. We've not heard from many City fans this evening. I'd love to get your views ahead of the game against Wolverhampton Wanderers this evening. I've just been passed a stat by our producer, Niall, who says Wolverhampton Wanderers have scored in 90% of of their matches away this season oh, which kind of goes hand in hand with a question I asked you just before the break because if Wolves score tonight it is going to be nine Premier League fixtures without a clean sheet for Manchester City I want to know who was the last Blues manager last time that happened Do you want to guess? Go, who I'm going to guess Kevin Keegan Kevin Keegan says Steve Dave I'm going to go Joe Royal 
I said you mentioned him in the break, and you mentioned three managers. You mentioned <laughs> Joe Royal, Kevin Keegan, and Stuart Pearce, and it was, of course, Stuart Pearce. <sighs> in 2006. I think that was the first one I said. I'm thinking that one. But that is a, that surprised me, that stat about Man City not keeping a clean sheet since for nine Premier League games. Yeah, the last time was against West Ham United. We've been wobbling. 1-4-0. I've never really thought that that was an issue for City this season defensively, but that stat would suggest it is. If we did start this uh, the season really solidly defensively. We weren't conceding like shots and chances at all really there was the whole expected shots conceded thing was off the charts and all that kind of stuff um, but as December approached we started to um, get a little bit tired and all the pressing and the positional awareness went and because players were getting a bit tired he started to rotate the centre-backs a lot more as well so we saw Otto Mendy come in and company could play a few games and the kind of centre-back partnership was working really well at the start of the season it just started to drop off a little bit and then Walker got out of form as well and we just started conceding chances and we started conceding wonder goals as well like first shot wonder goals um, which is I guess it's kind of thing that happens and it, it did affect I guess our form and we are behind Liverpool as a result of that really uh, but we need to keep a clean sheet now because it's getting a bit bit farcical Well seven points behind Liverpool as it currently stands obviously that is reduced to four points if you do win tonight Yeah It's kind of getting to must-win game territory already, isn't it? Every single game now is a huge game for us, unfortunately, because that, uh, it shreds my nerves massively, but um, we have to keep pace with Liverpool and hope for some form of miracle, hope they drop points, and then if they do drop points again, I won't be nervous from that point onwards because I think we'll be able to match them and mm. then uh, better them eventually throughout the course of the season. But tonight, <sighs> Wolves are the exact kind of team I don't want to play tonight because they are kind of team revel in these games against the bigger clubs they seem to just uh, be free spirit seem to go at teams they seem to score goals uh, and I think they got nine points from the seven games against big teams which is not a bad record at all for you know a team to be promoted it's the best uh, you know if you take the top six off the Premier League table that's yeah. the best of any team but as well if you include Wolves in that like a top six mini league they're actually ranked third wow. so w- with the likes of Spurs United wow. Chelsea Arsenal Man City Liverpool so like Steve's saying, they seem to do very, very well in terms of their tactics and how they all set up against these bigger teams. And you take the, the game back at the, the Molyneux, yeah, Wolves really season. caused you problems. There was a number of times where they were breaking down the wings. They were refreshingly good, to be honest. Mm. I mean, their goal was a, a handball goal, it shouldn't have counted. But in general, <laughs> uh, it, it was he punched Leave him. Willie Bolly alone, all right? Leave <laughs> Willie Bolly out of this. <laughs> Sacrifice him for the gods of football, that man. But um, in general, I thought they were, they were good that game. They were fun. They went out as, and we didn't really be them too much other than the handball goal uh, a point because they were refreshingly you know attacking team and seeing mm. teams do that against us you don't really begrudge them a point when they get it but uh, I still shouldn't be anywhere nervous as I am given the fact that we could see for the first time this season in the Premier League the, the midfield trio of Fernandinho David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne which we've just not seen at all this season which sounds crazy when you say it out loud but we have missed that triangle and they could be back tonight when you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne we've got to mention the press conference from Pep Guardiola <laughs> earlier because there seems to be some some kind of almost made-up issue that has been generated after Kevin De Bruyne was taken off in the League Cup. Yeah, he's emotional. Leg. And he walked off down the <laughs> tunnel. He didn't want. He wanted a hat full of goals. He wanted ten, just like all the fans, didn't yeah. he? But this seems to have been blown into something a little bit bigger in the press conference. Pep Guardiola was pressed on it, and he said, "I have. I'm not aware of any problem. But if 
Kevin wants to talk to me, he knows where I am. Is that where it begins and ends? <laughs> yeah, I had a rumour he started on Brian Kidd. No, I'm kidding. Uh, in general, <laughs> but he, he just likes playing. He's not played much. And he came off in a game when we were absolutely battering poor old Burton Albion. Um, and he obviously wanted to score a few more oh, and whatever. Yeah. And I think we were right to take him off. We were right to give Foden a bit of a run out as well in that game. Um, he's emotional. I remember after the, uh, one of the United games when he was doing that whole let, let me speak thing. Like, it was was that not Champions League? Let oh, me speak. Like, yeah. Let me speak. Yeah, he was going crazy. <laughs> He's just a bit like he's just a bit passionate. Don't you I want reckon. That from a player? Of course you, you do. Yeah, that's exactly the same. Pep would be doing yeah. exactly the same as a way around, and I think they both respect that. To be honest, uh, I remember watching an interview when it was at Wolfsburg, and it was like <laughs> sat in his flat playing video games, a really antisocial guy. And he's just he's a bit, you know, he's it. He's an individual. I think. What? He's uh, an individual. My friend actually works for the club and he's apparently the nicest out of a lot of them. Kevin I imagine he's a nice he's chap. Very, he's the only one who'll ask you about yourself, you know, chat to Do you know what? You can't be a Premier League footballer or any kind of top level sportsman and be normal. It's not possible. You need to have <laughs> something broken in your brain to want to have that kind of discipline to doing stuff. Do you know what? Wolves have got the reputation of giant killers now and we're going to speak to someone who supports the giant killers. Dan from the Wolves Football Fancast. Evening, Dan. Hey guys, how you doing? Very good, thanks for coming on. So what are your chances tonight? Are we going to see another famous giant killing from Wolves? Uh, it's Man City away, it's always going to be a tough game. The players that Man City have got at their disposal, like you just said, Kevin De Bruyne are coming back. Um, it's going to be a maintenance task, but as you've shown this season, Wolves can attack all night and hopefully um, we'll take some of our chances. It's just keeping you guys at bay, really. What is it that mean Wolves can pull out these results against the bigger clubs that you would, with all due respect, you'd expect them to be dropping points again? Say again, sorry. What is it that Wolves do against these big clubs that means they can get these results? I think you just mentioned it, Willy Bolly. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the guy is a, is an absolute wall. I mean, kind of cowardly at the back and even like Ryan, the, Ryan Bennett's come on Mm. At the start of the season, he was only supposed to be sort of uh, a filling until we brought someone better, but he's been brilliant as well this season. I think um, the guys in midfield, Neves, Matinho, we remain safe. He was coming recently. The balance that we've got defensively and uh, being compact allows our front three to do what they need to do. What do you make as well of all the... Um, Pep came out today and said he saw the rumours uh, during the summer that see you were going to spend £100 million on Ruben Nevis and all that kind of stuff. And essentially, he laughed at all that. But do you think Nevis has actually kind of proven himself this season in the Premier League or has he got a little bit of a way to go? Oh, he's still learning his craft, I think. Um, to me... If someone was to come in this season, come in in January and said 100 million, I'd rather it be Ruben Nevers than Jean Martinho. Jean Martinho is so much better for Wolves at the, at the moment. He's got the experience as well, hasn't he? I guess he's been there a little bit longer at the top of, you know, yeah. compared to Nevers. Yeah, Nevers is still only 21. He's still learning his craft with Martinho guiding him. It'll, it'll be a top class midfielder one day. It's just, uh, I think he needs to stay at Wolves for a couple more seasons and uh, get a bit more game time before he becomes a. Uh, you know, like a European side, just a, a, a player that comes in there and then. Obviously, if he went to Man City, he's not going to be playing for Man City, so there's no point joining them. Oh, you probably get a game against Fernandinho again a little bit on, but in general, he's a good player. I wouldn't mind him at City at all, really. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got he's got all the um, the potential to be a world class midfielder. He, he could be a bit more better defensively, but I think there's only sort of one midfielder in the Premier League who can do it all. Is uh, Fernandinho. How do you feel about the transfer window? Because it's a very different story. If you're top six, you're looking at how to strengthen. If you're outside of the top six, you're looking at who you can hang on to. And there's been a bit of a question about Wolves ahead of the season, certainly, as to whether you had that potency up front, whether you could score enough goals to stay in the division. But you've kind of proven that's not the case. 
this year. Do Wolves need to strengthen or is it a case of just hanging on to what you got? Um, unless we can improve the squad, I don't think we need to strengthen. Uh, the problem that we've had this season is our sort of wide men, uh, Jota, Cavalero, Costa, them guys haven't filled in with the goals as much this season where obviously Jimenez, he, he does score plenty of goals for the service that he gets, but it's our wide men that I would need to contribute a bit more this season. Dan, before you go, we're going to go around the table and have a little prediction of tonight. Let me remind you, it was 1979, the last time that Wolves beat City at home. So what are you going for? What's the result going to be tonight? Uh, 1999, wasn't it? Was it? 19? I got 79 on my bit of paper. <laughs> yeah, I don't sorry. argue with my bit of paper. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think I was about 12. Robbie Keane scored the winner that day. I stand corrected. Still, what's, the res- what's your uh, score prediction for tonight okay. then? Okay. Head says 2-0 City. Heart says 1-0. Dave? 1-0. Willie Bolling. Handball. Goal. Hand the bolling. Steve? 3-1 Man City. 3-1 Man City. Dan, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. That's Dan from the Wolves Fancast. Right, we've got about five minutes left on the Manchester Football Social. Here's a question for you. What excuse is Pep going to come up with tonight if City Because, Jim, I love it. There's something like the results against City when big teams lose, the managers come up against excuses. As you said, Jurgen Klopp blamed the wind when he lost in the FA Cup. Spurs, Pochettino came out and blamed being a bit tired. Despite the fact they won the four games before and the game two games afterwards, Pep blamed the ball when Wolves took City to the handball. Shootout. No, the ball. Oh, he sorry. said the ball wasn't a good oh, enough yeah, standard. I remember that. <laughs> so, what excuses are you going to roll out if he loses tonight? We're not going to need him. We're going to win, Jim. We've got to batter him. Uh, but other than that, I don't know. He'll probably floodlights will turn off. That'd be for thirty seconds. That'd be fun, wouldn't Liverpool it? Liverpool score. Liverpool score. Sorry, <laughs> Willie Bolling will score. I don't know. I reckon he'll probably point to uh, tiredness uh, after the December thing. But I don't think we're going to go there. I think we're going to be fine. I'm feeling a sudden surge of confidence for some reason. I don't know why or where it's come from. It seems I, baseless, but I generally think it's because you played your first team against Burton. I think it was smart. I think we'll look I back in that. the season and we'll think Guardiola actually did something really smart there. Oh, goals and momentum, essentially. Momentum goals that the standards weren't good enough over Christmas, as you mentioned. Yeah. Not good enough. City were playing poor. You know, they weren't smashing teams as they were. You lost to Leicester, you lost to Palace. Well, I think it's Pep just being like, you better sort your Yeah, it's like sort your stuff, an old out, school teacher going like, get yeah. back in there and do better until you yeah. finished it. That kind of thing, wasn't it? Well, it's exactly the argument that's been levelled at Liverpool, hasn't it? And the reserve team or the B team that they played against yeah, Wolves in the cup. They kind of said, the criticism was winning's a habit so, yeah, by totally. putting a team that can't necessarily fill no that goal it kind of puts that element of doubt you lose that air of invincibility and it could affect results I also on. think it doesn't help the air the reserve players as well because essentially they become the scapegoats and they can point it out as the ones that let the club down and so on and I think in general like you shouldn't really ever really play a bunch of reserves unless you can genuinely get away with it because I think it doesn't really help the form of the individuals who are usually back up because they tend to play better around a stronger 11 and so on uh, and it's just a relatively negative thing to do. I mean, there are reasons sometimes when you do it, it's a dead rubber or whatever, but I don't think it's a dead rubber in a, you know, a cup game against against Wolves and so on. Um, I think it's a, it's a little bit, I think it's a poor decision. I think Dave's right in terms of that Pep got this right. I think he uh, wanted to be the players, uh, get into the goals again, get a couple of clean sheets and, and entertain the fans because mm. it's been a, it'd been a negative couple of weeks. We're so. waiting for the team news at the moment. Or oh, do you know what? 
I think the team news might just be coming through. No, it's not at the moment. <laughs> just getting, You're teasing us. I'm getting a little bit of team news that Aguero's recovered from his illness and looks like he is going to play tonight. Is that harsh on Gabriel Jesus, who scored four goals in his last outing? He then gets dropped to the bench I, again. I this is a player that's suffered with a bit of confidence recently yeah. as well. No, I would start him because after that, after four goals, and uh, he missed a, a bucket full of chances against Rotherham. And then obviously he scored one, but he still missed so many. He could have had a hat-trick in half an hour. And for him to score that many goals, and despite Aguero being there... I really think Gabriel Jesus has earned a start and he probably needs it for the consistency because the big, biggest problem he's got in general is just finding his rhythm because he's the second man to Aguero, understandably, but at the same time, you only got to look how good Aguero was against Liverpool. He was absolutely phenomenal against Liverpool, genuinely brilliant. Uh, so it's, it's one of those nice headaches, but I honestly think Gabriel Jesus needs this start more than uh, Sergio Aguero does. For that reason alone, I, I'd play him. The more you see him play... Does that convince you that he is the man to be your second striker, or do you? I've think never doubted him. You don't think there's any need to invest and bring in someone who you can reliably get twenty goals for. You've got to look where most strikers are, uh, even at the time, uh, where they are at twenty-one years old. Like the, the exceptions are at the very top. Uh, Firmino was a midfielder at Hoffenheim at that age, you know, and like Lewandowski was still playing for Lech Poznan. You know, people like that. Mm. People don't understand that for a striker, a second, you know behind Aguero he's got like 40 goals in 80 games for us which is a decent record he's got loads of assists as well uh, yeah he's had a kind of tough uh, spell in front of goal for, for City but he's proved it in my opinion that he's obviously got the ability there he's obviously got the work rate he's got incredible game intelligence uh, his desire as well from the front he's definitely good enough but most strikers do tend to suffer from being behind Aguero it happened to Dzeko uh, it's happened to other players it'll happen to Jesus as well at one point that's it for the Manchester Football Social there'll be more from these boys on the podcast you can find that Manchester Football Social search it there's always a little bit extra on there if you fancy it and the City team will be here tomorrow with all the reaction to tonight's game against Wolves that's from 6 o'clock thank you very much for listening if you enjoyed that please subscribe to the show and make sure you get every episode as soon as it's ready boys did you enjoy that one yeah there's no anecdotes we need a story or some additional content for the podcast can you tell us about what you were doing on Norwegian (laughs) TV we we hinted about it in the the show it was just a bit different it was more like acting you know I'm usually the serious stats guy and we're doing like a bit of we're doing a few shots it was um, basically like a Solskjaer toy that was like carrying around and getting recorded it was just a bit different to what I usually do what, did you, did know? you enjoy it though? What was your line? What was your There was a number of lines. Line? Number of lines about how I had like a pack of cards. <laughs> it was just this is the thing. Like, it I, was I so weird to explain. There could be loads. I want loads of gifts. You know what? If you're a United fan and you want some tips on acting, you just need to Google Wayne Rooney's appearance in an advert he did for Red Wine. Oh, wow. Have you ever seen that? Do you remember the, the Diablo something? Oh, it's called the Red Wine. He's it's, had a few bad ones. Remember when, when yeah, United the, uh, started working? The film with, ones. Yeah, the, was it D, one of the DC movies or oh, was it, Marvel was it not, movies? Yeah. It was not the Independence just, Day one, the new Independence Day film or something like that. Maybe that as well. That was bad. Famously yeah. bad. Right, before people turn off and go, why am I listening to this waffle? Let's talk about a bit of football that people actually want to listen to. So we usually do got, swap, need on the show, which is every week we come up with a got, a swap or a need, something that football has, something that you'd like to swap out of football or something that football needs or your club needs. I'm just going to throw mine into the mix. because I had to think about this earlier and it was off the back of a tweet by a journalist called Rory Smith who was talking about the offside rule. You might have seen this and he's basically saying the offside rule isn't fit for purpose. And it got me thinking, I kind of like his point of view here. He was saying the offside rule was brought in to prevent goal hanging. Yeah. Right. And he says it's now got to this situation where you can only tell legitimately whether someone's offside 
by using VAR or video replays because they can be a nostril offside or a big toe <laughs> offside. And it's still the game still gets pulled back. So it's actually had more of a negative impact on the sport than positive. So you say in essentially the old daylight rule was a better rule. Yeah, I think so. I think that was kind of a genuine advantage if you had that much space between it. But I'm all for seeing more goals. And I think if a striker can play that game a little bit better and can just be offside, just keep that lack of daylight, that's, a, that's a, for entertainment's purposes, isn't that a better way to go? But surely if they can score with the part of their body and it's and it's in an offside position they're gaining an advantage but that much that's the rule if it's an inch or a centimetre but still with an inch you could score a goal yeah but the point is surely not about whether the technicalities it's whether the referees can actually do that we shouldn't have to rely on VAR for Mm. the the lives but we should do but how can you no but what about it's not going to be at every level for one it's not going to have it down in League 2 or so on because they're not going to be able to afford it are they one problem but again with the money from the Premier League they should be able to do that because there's so much money in the Premier League well, okay what about um, down at kind of Sunday League level they're going to be able to interpret that they're going to get John on his camera on his phone so, there so let, let's you know? fast forward like 50 years right mm. referees should be robots right the, the ultimate referee would be a robot zero error zero percent error they'd know if something's sent off someone's been you know Unsporting conduct, someone's been red carded, someone's offside. Like that is the pinnacle of, of refereeing is a robot. Is that zero error? Isn't part of the beauty of this sport? And there's two things here. One of them is that it creates debate. And I, that's what you love about football. You love but you'll the still debate. get that, right? It's not possible wow. to have zero error anyway in football. It but if it's, a ro- if it's a robot system, but there's then always there's zero a, there's, error, right? there is always an element of opinion. Yeah, there is. Because that's the point of the rules that are open for interpretation, genuinely. But my yeah. other issue is. One of the things I love most about football is the fact that 22 people in the Premier League can play the same sport as 22 kids in a playground with jumpers and a rolled up ball of tape. It's exactly <laughs> the same and it can be replicated. The more you add VAR, and I, I like VAR, I think it's a good thing to come into the sport, but the more you add elements like that into it, the less, the further away it gets from that. I, I believe as long as the rules are perceptible without the, the use music. of it, then it's fine, in my opinion. <laughs> right. my, my, you just imagine kids on the park being like, do it, draw in the, the imaginary rectangle. I have VAR, seen it. VAR I have it. Seen it happen. I have seen it happen. <laughs> the game's ruined, then we should start again, yeah. Jim. I'm, I'm with you. It's over. <laughs> right, let's end it there, boys. Thank you very much for tonight's show. These guys will be back as a pair on Monday show next week. But don't forget, if you subscribe to this podcast, you get every show as soon as it's ready. See you soon.